0: This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, today's show recorded live at Madhurabhar Uniting Church on the Gold Coast. Today's big question why fair trade? We asked this question today to John Martin. John worked for nearly 40 years as a Uniting Church minister and aged care chaplain. He is now retired and spends his time working as a fair trade advocate on the Gold Coast in Queensland. And John is actually my dad. And he joins me now. Please welcome John Martin. Well, thank you very much. And thank you, Robert, for this opportunity
1: to be interviewed by, uh, for your program. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, well, Dad, John,
0: uh, I suppose I can call you Dad, <laughs> because you are. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you very much for having good. me here tonight, really good. Yeah, excellent. So, Dad, you're retired now, but you spend your time now as a fair trade advocate, so what does that mean? Well, it means basically
1: uh, I spend my time going around uh, trying to talk to congregations, church people mm-hmm. about fair trade and how it grows out of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it can make a difference to our shopping and also a difference to the people of the world, mm-hmm. and um, take every opportunity to, to write letters to newspapers and so on about mm-hmm. fair trade.
0: To kick off bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. And today we're talking with John Martin, who happens to be my dad, about fair trade. Now, so dad, as someone who is a fair trade advocate and one who enjoys a good cup of coffee. Our smaller questions to you today are, how much do you know about the global coffee industry?
1: Yeah. do you feel qualified? Well, the global, I do, because I have one coffee every morning, a whole plunger full.
0: <laughs> and I only have one. So and how many glasses, how many cup mugs I'll is bet, that? About between two and three. <laughs> okay, right, it's for, for your one cup a day. One cup a day. Yeah. Okay, there's two questions in our smaller questions, um, and we'll see how you go. Question one. Approximately how many cups of coffee are consumed in the world every day? And I'll accept your answer to the nearest billion. I suppose two or three billion. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We said the nearest billion. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to narrow it down? Which one? Two. Two two billion. billion. And that. Yeah. Actually, that's correct. Yes. It's two point two five billion. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that works out to be about eight hundred and twenty billion cups of coffee consumed each year. That's a lot of. That's a lot of caffeine. It is a lot of coffee. (laughs) Yes. That's right. Yeah. And you help that. I do my bit. (laughs) I do my bit. You sound like you do. Okay. Question two. How many farmers produce the world's coffee? I'll answer, I accept your answer, probably to the nearest 10 million. 30, 30 million? Well, I think we'll give that. The answer is actually 25 million. So, um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> Well, why not? <laughs> 25 million smallholder farmers produce 80% of the world's coffee, um, but many of them fail to earn a reliable living, living from coffee. So, congratulations, Dad. Out of our smaller questions, you got. Two out of two of our smaller questions. Right, another round of applause. <laughs> so, Dad, coffee is very popular, produced by a large number of small producers. So what impact does this have on the coffee producers themselves?
1: Well, the coffee for producer, for them, it's their livelihood.
0: Yeah. And uh, if they
1: make money out of uh, growing the coffee, if they can cover their costs and make a surplus to feed their families and close their families and send their children to school then they're doing all right. If mm-hmm. they don't, if the world coffee price falls and uh, they don't receive a proper return for their coffee, well, they become impoverished. They're vulnerable. And, and they're very much exposed to, to poverty. Mm-hmm. And so um, what fair trade does is it guarantees a, a minimum wage for the coffee producers so that they get a guaranteed minimum wage. Even if the world price falls, they get a minimum price for the coffee that they produce. That's <laughs> mm. right.
0: Yep. So why is that needed then? Is it to offset this volatility in the world coffee price?
1: I um, mean, it's the same in every industry. Um, if, if you're mining for iron ore in Australia and the price of iron ore falls down, uh, drops a bit, you don't pay the workers less. The w- workers still get paid the, their normal wage for mm. the work they do. And so it's the same with the coffee market. Uh, fair trade certified coffee uh, pays the, the workers, the, the farmers, the
0: people who produce it, uh, a minimum guaranteed wage. Mm. So this is why fair trade is needed. Do you think, for, certainly for coffee producers,
1: it is because because otherwise corporations that are marketing coffee will want to make as much money as they can out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just coffee, of course. It's other products like tea and chocolate, and some of the other essentials of life mm-hmm. uh, for <laughs> many right. for many people. <laughs> And they're the ones that are readily available in supermarkets here in Australia. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, what then distinguishes fair trade from other initiatives which are designed to help the poor?
1: Well, it guarantees the price. It also uh, ensures safe working conditions for people in an environmentally sustainable way. Uh, no child labour is involved. Where fair trade mark is involved, and uh, there's sustainability in that. Uh, a premium is paid, a fair trade premium is paid to the community so that the people benefit, they can uh, build schools or hospitals or water supplies and with a fair trade mark, it's the people themselves that make that decision, not a corporation
0: that makes the decision for them. Mm, So they get some extra money in their community for whatever community development project they'd like to allocate it to. Okay. So now the Harvester Judgment in Australia was a landmark industrial relations case where a minimum wage was established. The judgment determined that the minimum wage should be a fair and reasonable wages for an unskilled male worker that was sufficient for a human being in a civilized community to support a wife and three children in frugal comfort. So is that something along the lines of what fair trade is trying to achieve, a bit like a minimum wage on a global scale? It is. So that people can live. The, the quaint wording of 100 years ago was frugal
1: comfort. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, of course, there was one wage earner in the family in those days. And uh, the minimum was probably less than we would expect
0: today. Yeah. but uh, Probably didn't give it too much smashed avocado for that. Woman. No. It,
1: it was a landmark decision. And, of course, in Australia we've followed that on with the basic wage and the minimum wage that we have today. And yet we experience all the time companies here in Australia who want to try and undercut those wages. If people come from another country, they don't speak English as a first language, they don't understand the laws very well, they're vulnerable to being taken advantage of here in in this country where Mm. we have these rules. So if it's bad here, imagine what it must be like in some of the countries where they don't have these principles as part of their government.
0: Mm, and you have lots of vulnerable people who, who are looking for a living, I suppose. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Now, trade now certifies many billions of dollars' worth of goods across the world. Maybe take us back to the start. How did fair trade begin? Well, trade goes
1: right back a long, long way. I mean, in, in the Bible, uh, you'll find um, in the parable of the workers in the vineyard, mm-hmm. the people that were, were employed early in the day were agreed a wage for that day, a Mm -hmm. fair day's pay Mm -hmm. for a fair day's work, right back there. That's 2,000 years ago. And uh, both Paul and Jesus at one point say that a labourer is worthy of their pay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it goes right back into biblical times. Yeah. And in in recent history, a hundred or so years ago, George Cadbury, who gave his name, of course, to the famous brand of chocolate, mm-hmm. one was, of life's essentials, was one of life's essentials. <laughs> was horrified to learn that his workers in Africa were being treated virtually as slaves. And George Cadbury was a was a Christian. He was a Quaker, and he uh, built very fine village for his workers at Bournemouth in England and looked after them and when he discovered that part of his supply train was being provided by slave labour he was very upset indeed and so he raised their wages. He made sure that they were treated properly, they were remunerated correctly for the work that they did. Mm. Now George Cadbury and the Cadbury family have lost control of that company uh, and things aren't quite the way they used to be perhaps Mm -hmm. because uh, large corporations have a responsibility to pay their shareholders as much as the shareholders want which is as much as they can get and uh, therefore that reduces the cost of the inputs including the wages of the people who provide Mm. the goods Mm. that go into the products.
0: So what were the origins then of the modern fair trade movement?
1: Well uh, uh, post-war it took off and particularly in the 1970s in the UK uh, Tier fund and trade craft were established. Uh, they were Christian organisations, uh, and they they saw that that there were injustices in the supply chain of uh, tea and coffee and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for example, trade craft w- was established um, a- and exists in England and the well, the United Kingdom, very much within the churches, mm. uh, to, even today, and uh, a lot of. Um, churches have tradecraft reps and they have tradecraft stalls and Oxfam of course too has its origins in in the Christian Church and uh, in Australia for today Oxfam is one of the most highly regarded uh, sellers retailers of fair trade products mm.
0: now fair trade as you've mentioned uh, is primarily associated with Coffee, uh, as you obviously enjoy. Um, but fair trade is much broader, as you've alluded to before, fair trade is much broader than just coffee. Isn't oh,
1: yes, it? as far, it's every product. Every product imaginable uh, has has a supply chain. Yeah, it, I think behind every, for example, cotton. I mean, if you go into a, a shop uh, here in Rabina town centre or somewhere like that or anywhere, and uh, y- you see T-shirts on special for $5 or $10, new T-shirts, not in the op shop, but new ones, you think, well, how much did the workers get who produced the cotton that goes mm. into these products? Mm. So it's in cotton products. And, in fact, there are some countries in the world who are deliberately keeping the, the wages of their workers low so that they, as a country, can maximise their profits from the sale of coffee, uh,
0: cotton, I mean. Mm. Mm. But it's also, like, handicrafts and all sorts of other well, things. Well, handicrafts. That's, the, a, that's often where them, a lot of fair trade began. Well, a lot of,
1: and a lot of people uh, – there are a lot of people who are sourcing handicrafts in third world countries and uh, they're often Fair Trade Association members and they're certified by the World Fair Trade Organisation and they have a rigid certification uh, system. A lot of people will go and see that, that, that there is a need um, – For example, in a number of countries today there are women who are being trafficked into prostitution and so people will come along and using maybe recycled goods enable these women to have uh, a worthwhile um, income through producing craft items that can be sold for sale in a country like Australia. Mm.
0: It really gives them alternative income generation sources. It does. And it also provides beautiful craft
1: items and gift items for people here
0: in Australia. Mm. Now, it all sounds very nice in theory, but aside from making us feel better, what difference does Fair Trader actually make? I mean, does it actually work? Well, it does work, yes, because there are rigorous
1: tests to ensure that it does work and there are a lot of stories of people... Coming out of uh, third world countries where communities have been lifted from poverty uh, through uh, trade rather than just aid, mm-hmm. uh, through trade I- into uh, a state of well being in their community. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, but fair trade is not without its critics, and a number of the claims um, of the impact of fair trade. Are hotly contested. Um, Some claim that the benefits are exaggerated, that the costs of certification are too high, and that it doesn't actually help, certainly in the case of coffee, the poorest of farmers. So, how do you respond to the criticisms of fair trade? Well, a couple of things to
1: say to that. First of all, I'd want to know who's making the criticisms, because uh, are they people who have a different axe to grind? Mm -hmm. For example, if you're saying we want all the products on the supermarket shelf to be fair trade, Mm -hmm. The people that are making a lot of money in third world countries are not going to be happy. They're going to say, well, we want to circumvent that, so how do we do it? We try to discredit mm. the fair trade movement or any particular product.
0: And some, of the, some of the claims have been made by academics in universities.
1: Yes. Well, you can be sure that there are rigorous tests. The World Fair Trade Organisation uh, has 10 principles of fair trade that, that people must meet, and also the fair trade... The, the mark that that blue and green and black mark that's familiar on products in supermarkets—they uh, have a very high s- standards of testing, mm-hmm. and and it could well be like in every system, things don't work perfectly. Yeah. So it's quite. I mean, after all, we're human people, and we're not all perfect. Um, yep. Thing mistakes are made, but generally, overall, the the great evidence is that uh, people are being lifted from poverty to a life of uh, frugal, frugal, frugal comfort. Or yeah. yeah.
0: well, Also, in the case certainly of handicrafts, etc., employment opportunities have been made, yes. which they otherwise wouldn't have and they'd be left in prostitution or destitute. Yeah, Well, to stop um, the traffic, people promote fair
1: trade chocolate, for example, because uh, uh, a lot of um, children that have been used in the cocoa production industry have been mm. trafficked. And, of course, also they promote products made by particularly women mm. who have been rescued from prostitution. Mm.
0: So is fair trade then the only answer to fighting poverty?
1: Oh, no. No, of course. I mean, we, we have to contribute directly. A lot of people contribute directly to poverty. Some people are so poor they don't even have the opportunity of having a job. For example, if you look at the people of Somaliland at the moment, where they're just victims of drought and warfare and they're living on the edge and by giving to organizations that are helping them directly obviously helps them
0: mm. so that's so, direct aid so yeah.
1: so direct aid is important mm. but a lot of a lot of people can be helped through trade rather than aid tradecraft spells its name T R A I D C R A F T trade rather than mm. aid directly
0: <clears throat> so what a difference then
1: can someone listening make Well the difference they can make is that when they go shopping they can go to their supermarket and roam up and down the aisles and particularly in the tea, coffee and chocolate aisles they will find the the Familiar Fair trademark and they can be guaranteed that that is helping some people in a distant land far, far away and um, they they can buy that and eat chocolate and drink coffee and tea (laughs) with a clear (laughs) conscience.
0: But doesn't it cost more?
1: It, It used to. It used to be more expensive, but it's not necessarily more expensive these days. In fact, uh, I think you'll find that the prices of of tea and coffee and chocolate are very competitive these Mm. days. And, of course, uh, it's a motivation. I mean, everybody wants to bargain. You go to the supermarket and you want to get the cheapest product you can. I mean, look at milk in Australia. I mean, we, um, we, we, we become very critical of the large supermarkets because they are paying milk producers less than the cost of production. Most mm. milk producers in Australia today are, are going broke, quite pure mm. and simply. But when you think about it, there are alternatives in the supermarket. You don't have to buy... The cheapest milk. ..the cheapest milk. You can buy... Uh, and if you do a little research, you'll find out which local dairy near you is uh, own, owned by the, mm. the farmers and the farmers receive a fair return. So it happens in this country mm. and, it, and it can happen by discerning um, with uh, those other products like mm. tea,
0: coffee and chocolate. Mm. So it's the same principle in, in the local dairy industry. Same in some, principle, in ways, just yeah. getting People getting paid mm. frugal, I suppose, a frugal comfort perhaps. That's frugal the, comfort. Yeah. Well, the
1: poor old farmers <laughs> aren't living in comfort or no. more than frugal.
0: So the, what got you interested in fair trade in the first place?
1: Well, I suppose it's an interesting thing because way back in the early 1980s, the World Development Tea Cooperative in Australia... Uh, were marketing a tea that they called Broken Orange Pico in woven baskets and uh, we were in a rural town at the time and we got hold of some of these and started selling them amongst the people of the church, believing that uh, by buying that tea they were helping the people who produced it. Mm. And um, when we went to England to live as a family in the mid-1980s – my wife, Nolene, your mother, mm-hmm. uh, found a tradecraft catalogue, came into our home one day and uh, she opened it up and they were appealing for volunteers and she said, I think I can do that mm-hmm. and our life changed from that day. I remember it
0: quite clearly. <laughs> yes. We, so, so tell, us, tell, tell uh, people listening, what, how did our lives change?
1: Well, we, uh, Nolene became a, a tradecraft rep in Shropshire. She was the only one of two in the whole of the county of Shropshire in England and she'd go around talking to groups about fair trade and taking these products with her and selling them and uh, often we'd go off as a family to mm-hmm. these functions as well and we had a little tiny car mini metro car and the five of us would squeeze in there it was only a two door car too so <laughs> we put you people in the back and then load you up with with Fair trade products in boxes, Uh, all the light ones, the baskets (laughs) and the uh, and things like that. We didn't put the heavy ones like fair trade at the time for us. The honey and the the sugar It was child child labour. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then we came back to Australia and discovered that there was very little in the way of fair trade here in Australia, but in more recent years it's it's grown and we've been pleased to see that. And uh, Noeline was very much part of uh, of of establishing. Some fair trade festivals uh, in in New South Wales. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it was certainly a, almost a family affair. It was for us as yes. growing up. Yeah. I remember I have lots of memories of but carrying apart from boxes. The, and selling the, things. the that...
1: motivation for it comes from a reading of the Bible and an understanding of the Christian faith. Yeah, because uh, Christians believe that that Jesus died on the cross for them and He rose again for them and we're saved from our sins. But There's a response that's involved with that Mm -hmm. and it's an ethical response and uh, there's ethical responses in the way we live our lives in our community but it's also ethical responses on a global scale Mm -hmm. and I think uh, we can read the Bible in a number of places and find that uh, there is a bias towards the poor. Mm.
0: and um so this is a strong motivation for you in your passion for fair trade yes
1: very much so there are about 2000 passages in the bible where the poor are referred to mm-hmm. and the widows and the orphans uh, are treated fairly but in the people of israel even the even the story of the people of israel themselves released from slavery god hears their cries in slavery and he wants them to be free from slavery where which is the extreme form of unfair trade, of course, where the person is mm. totally enslaved.
0: Mm. Mm. Today's big question is, why fair trade? And perhaps, or well, maybe perhaps unsurprisingly or perhaps surprisingly, the Bible offers perspectives on this question. In the New Testament book of James, written almost as a form of wisdom literature or good advice for living life well... James writes some strong words to the rich in chapter 5. He says, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. So, Dad, John, um, is James saying that it's bad to be rich? Well, I don't think it's saying it's
1: bad to be rich. I think it's saying bad to be rich if you're not considering other people as well. Mm -hmm. But then Matthew, at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, where John the Baptist was talking to the people... And uh, they said, well, what are we supposed to do? And he said, well, those who have got two garments give one to the poor. And he told the soldiers not to be to be happy with their wages and not to expect anything more. Mm. So right there at the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, as Jesus is being, being baptised, is that social dimension of sharing. Mm. And, um, I mean, I've got more than one coat and one shirt and all those sorts of things, and I suppose most people in Australia have. And yet... Uh,
0: we still have that responsibility to ensure hmm. that others uh, don't go without. So as you've sort of mentioned, so compared to the rest of the world, we in Australia are very wealthy, so these words apply to us? Well, they do apply to us if, if we
1: don't take notice of those who are impoverished because James goes on to say, Listen, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. James has been critical of people who are, are doing the harvest, but their wages are being withheld. Mm-hmm. And those voices of those people have been heard by God, not mm. just by a trade union or anything like that, but by God mm. Himself. Mm. And that is what is condemning the wealthy people. Mm. I think it's fine to be wealthy. Some of the wealthiest people in the world have also <coughs> been the most generous people.
0: I well, in that passage in James um, 5 four, uh, talks about the wages that have been failed to pay. So you see that there's a connection there with the principles of fair trade? Very much so,
1: yes. Paying a fair wage for the work that somebody does. And that's very clear. The wages of the labourers who move the, the fields are being withheld,
0: kept back. So there's an issue of, of justice here or of fairness? Very much so. Justice,
1: fairness mm. an equal sharing of the good things that God has given to us. Mm.
0: So isn't the principle harder to recognise in our culture because the supply chain is often invisible to us? In the ancient world you could have seen the harvesters who um, provided your food, but for us that is invisible, we just see a product and a price. So is this a problem or, and is this something that fair trade is trying to overcome?
1: Well it is, because when we go shopping we're, we're blind. We go up and down the, the aisles but we don't see the people behind the products. We don't know. I mean, you think of how many thousands of products you walk past as you walk up and down supermarket aisles and you think of the people behind those products, the people that did the work to ma- manufacture those products and you ask questions like, well, how were they treated? Were they given a fair wage? Did they work under healthy conditions? Was it in an environmentally sustainable way?
0: Well, we just don't know, do we?
1: We don't know and that's where the fair trademark comes in because that you do know. And so if you're choosing between one coffee and another and, uh, and the price is similar and the taste is similar, then uh, the, the fair trade one can be sure that, that the people behind it received a fair wage for the work that they did.
0: Mm, mm. So James continues his warning in verse 5 where he says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So is this a warning to the rich who benefit from the injustices of the poor?
1: Well, I think it is. And it's only following on from what Jesus said, where the rich man and and Lazarus, uh, the rich man lived in in great comfort and at the door unseen by him was this poor beggar. And when they died, the rich man went to Hades, the poor man went to heaven. And uh, the rich man said, well, look, I've got brothers, go and warn them. And they said, well, look, even if we sent Jesus... They, they won't listen. So,
0: Even if someone rises from the dead. Yeah. So as you've sort of said, the, so the concerns of fair trade, justice, paying workers fairly, uh, in many ways are deeply connected to the concerns of the Bible. Yes, very much so. The questions just come in. So is the fair trade logo, is that something that the organisation or the, the, the producer pays to get or do they just get it because they satisfy certain criteria?
1: Well, there's certain costs involved in uh, monitoring and, and naturally that someone has to pay for that. It's usually the organisation rather than the producer that, mm-hmm. that pays. People also are promoting fair trade and, and uh, trying to encourage more organisations, businesses, to adapt, uh, adopt fair trade
0: mm-hmm. as a way of, of uh, marketing their goods. Mm. But that's also where some of the potential challenges or the murkiness perhaps of the success of fair trade comes because if you do have to pay for the certification if you're very poor it adds an extra burden to your cost of production doesn't it
1: yeah but in the in the long run uh, because you're being paid a fair wage in the end uh, it lifts the income for the worker for, for the, the worker. farmer so mm. overall
0: those costs can be absorbed in the long in the longer term
1: yes so it's for example if it's a if it's a company it's the company that that's using the fair trade mark. They're, they're absorbing that cost. So, cl- closing it, wrapping up. <clears throat> so, John, Dad, why fair trade? Well, son, if we are really wanting the best for the people in this world, the people that we share this planet with, then we will want to purchase products that are produced in such a way that people receive a fair wage for the work they do. Mm. And so, why fair trade for you? Well, it's, it's, it comes from a concern for people. I think that jesus great commands first is to love god second to love our neighbors and uh, for me loving god by loving my neighbor
0: is uh, helping the neighbor that i can't see to a better lifestyle let me leave you with the bible's answer to the big question why fair trade from james 5 4 look the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, John Martin, who is also my dad. (laughs) Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash questions. If you've enjoyed listening to Bigger Questions, then why not support it on Patreon? You can help us keep asking Bigger Questions for as little as $1 an episode. Support this podcast at patreon.com biggerquestions. Thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. If you want to be part of the live audience or subscribe to the podcast, go to lightfm.com.au and under Shows look for Bigger Questions.